Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the What Type Ones Eat podcast. I'm really enjoying this actually, third episode. Um, this podcast is about the different ways that type ones fuel their bodies to help them manage their blood sugars and feel their best. And today we are going to be speaking to a very unconventional non-type one. We're going to be speaking to a type 3C. Do you guys know what the type 3C is? Well, you will find out after this episode. We're speaking to Maya who has given us an amazing insight about this um, type of diabetes. But before we jump in, I just want to remind you guys that none of the information that we talk about or mention is intended as medical advice or nutritional advice and that you should always consult a medical professional before making any changes to your healthcare routine and plan. And I really don't want to say too much because Maya explains it a lot better herself. So let's just jump into this amazing conversation and hear Maya tell us all about type 3C. Cool. Hey, Maya. Um, so I'm super, 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 super excited to speak to you because I think your story is just very unique. Um, you want to tell me why I think your story is unique? Yeah, so um, it is very different. Um, so I'm a pancreatic diabetic, also known as a type 3C. Um, and basically when I was born, my pancreas was overproducing insulin. Um, and, you know, I was born in the early 90s. So there wasn't much technology. Um, now, if that would have occurred, they would do a lot more genetic testing to see exactly what caused it. But at the time, the genetic testing was very minimal. So they weren't able to do that. So um, they had to do all these other types of therapies and, you know, all these different methods that worked at the time to kind of control my blood sugar. But my what my parents were telling me was that I was in the 30s, 50s to 30s um, oh, quite yeah. often, you know, um, even in the 20s, no matter How what. How old were it is literally like as soon as I was born. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so like they couldn't even really tell that, could they? And no. So I guess because um, I asked my dad, I was curious, like, how did they know my blood sugars were low? And they're like, well, they have to do all these like different tests, you know, as soon as you're born. Um, and they noticed that my blood sugars were low. And they said that sometimes that happens as soon as you are born, but they generally go back up right away. Um but it didn't. So throughout the course of, you know, I think a couple days, they noticed that no matter what was happening, my blood sugars were just not going up. Um, Did they keep you like in the hospital? Did they not let you go go home? Yes. So I wasn't allowed to go home for the longest time. I think my dad said that I was in the hospital for the first um, like year, year and a half of oh, my life. Oh, that's yeah. fun. That's yeah, like fun. in and out. Yeah. Tell so tell me your career is in like a hospital environment now. Yeah, I'm, oh, I actually work in dental, but yeah, I mean, like, oh my god, literally, I'm still, you know, medical, but, um, it was just, I'm, I feel really bad for my parents, um, they, they tried taking me home, but then they would have to take me back, so where I was born, I was born in Sacramento, but the hospital I was born at, they couldn't do anything, really, so they had to send me to the other hospital in the area, 
but even then they really couldn't do much either. So they had me see an endocrinologist right away. And then they were saying that, you know, this is more extensive than we're used to. So they had to do a lot of my surgeries and care at um, San Francisco, so the Bay Area. Okay. They had to send me to UC San Francisco because um, they had a more, you know, a uh, more advanced department, I guess the best way to say it. they were used yeah, sure. to handling more, you know, cases that were extreme. Um, but basically, I was diagnosed with nasidioblastosis, um, which I think that's a now, mouthful. Oh, it's such a mouthful. <laughs> um, I think now, though, it's considered they named it hyperinsulinism. I can't say that word, but hyperinsulinization, uh, isn't it? Cognital hyperinsulinism, something like that. Insulinism? I'm like, I can't say that word either, but it's the same thing. So basically your pancreas is just overproducing um, all this insulin and they tried all these different therapies and they eventually said, you know, the only thing left that we can do is remove your entire pancreas. Um, okay. so they took it out. They didn't take out any other organs. Um, and I did ask my dad, like, you know, why did they not do that? And they're like, well, cause you're, you were an infant and you know, but you wait, still need hang on. So oh, I know there are people that have to have their pancreas removed for some reason, but they oh, usually get that. a transplant. Was I, that not what happened? No, they weren't able to do a transplant. They tried doing, um, like a beta cell transplant that was like a okay. something that they tried to do they did it actually in my um my throat area for some reason and what? I'm still trying to, yeah so I have to send you a picture I had a surgery a beta cell transplant it was um, a trial you know mm-hmm. um, yeah for some reason that this would kind of fix you know level out the blood sugars um fix what was going on with the pancreas but that failed after two days and it yeah. my is it that to... like did your body kill those or what happened um it just the, yeah the body rejected it and it kind of came back with a vengeance um my, my blood sugars just kept going even lower so wait you know with type 1 diabetes it's an autoimmune condition so Correct. we kind of our beta, beta cells are basically just being killed by our own body yeah but mm-hmm. that doesn't happen when your pancreas is overproducing insulin yeah. doesn't it no, I, they don't really know what caused it either. Um, I would love to at this point, because there's so much more technology available to do some sort of, you know, genetic testing or something. Um, unfortunately, I only have my dad left. My mom passed away uh, two years ago now. So oh, I don't know. Sorry. It's like, yeah. And so I don't know what they can really do. Cause I know that I would assume they would still need both parents, you know, to do some sort of testing you know what was going on you know if your parents like had any kind of underlying endocrine conditions um my father has my my entire dad's side has thyroid issues okay there's no diabetics up until after me so um (laughs) I think uh, my grandfather my mom's side had type 2 but he got diagnosed in his late 70s um so it's probably like more of an age kind of yeah anything else Um, and then the only one that has diabetes now is my older brother um and he got diagnosed with type 2 um he's in his 30s so there is some kind of um autoimmune stuff going on there there? correct and so i mean i would love sorry i am getting confused because you are not an autoimmune disease are you no no. i think some kind of disorder yeah, like it was a, it's a rare disease as I would put it. 
because I've never, up until I joined Instagram, um, (laughs) I only met met one other girl that had, um, was diagnosed with mysteriobastosis also, but she got diagnosed in her, um, I think she was 20, she said, when she got diagnosed. Um, And it's, it is very, very rare. um, And it mostly only happens in infants. Um, So, you know, once my pancreas removed, I became a full-on diabetic. Um, but so I also, that was the only treatment that they could find was removing your pancreas, right? Yeah, they, they tried doing other therapies. I don't know exactly what type of medical therapies. I would have to double check with my dad, but he said that that was kind of like the last result. Um, okay. And, it, you know, it is, at that time, it was something that rarely happened, you know? Um, and now, I mean, obviously you meet more people that are type 3 C's that have their pancreas removed, but it was due to other things like pancreatitis, um, other yeah, things, yeah. nothing like this. So, um, I that's think, why, uh, I can't remember, neoblastosis, is that the right word? Uh, oh, the condition they named it? Yeah, mysidioblastosis, yeah. Mysidioblastosis, yeah. I think it's like one of the rarest ones that could happen still. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm like, I'm not surprised that you couldn't really find anyone else with the same condition. Yeah, and there's not much information online either. I mean, it directs you to some things, but it's still very unclear, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it's removed, I mean, I've always thought that my body's still very sensitive to insulin. So um, that's why I've always struggled with kind of finding the right ratios, especially like um, correction ratios, because I'll... I can still go really high, like a normal, you know, type one, but I feel like the insulin just shoots when I, once I administer it, I kind of just go down really fast. Interesting. Do you know your, um, like either total daily intake or just basal daily intake? Um, my basal, it's only 27 right now, 27 units, which isn't barely, you know, um, that's like, if that's your basal, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Yes. Um, And so that, but that's been my struggle right now. Um, I actually had my um, meeting with my, uh, my endo the other day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I I told her, I was like, I feel like I'm pretty sensitive to insulin. Like, I feel like I'm always dropping, you know, but I feel like my, my insulin ratios don't reflect that, you know? Mm -hmm. So we've been kind of, I have to do another basal testing coming up just because I've been all over the place. (laughs) lately you know and it might be that your basil's too high and that's why you yeah. feel very sensitive to insulin mm-hmm. yeah but it's been that way even as a child I know they've always kind of struggled because um my parents would always say that when I was sick you know um yeah like with a cold or something generally your, your blood sugars are supposed to kind of go crazy and all over the place mm-hmm. you know but I would have some of my best blood sugars when I was sick it was like you the know, surprisingly thing. you're not the only one there are more oh, people like who are type 1 diabetics well type ones so yeah. um yeah it's just dependent on your body like how it reacts yeah. some people get really stressed when they're ill and some probably just don't release as much cortisol when they are mm-hmm. so it just kind of depends on your kind of body's reaction to yeah. the sickness yeah so i mean i i've always been told i've always been care like when it comes to insurance, they always just put me as a type one because um, insurance would cover stuff. So on my medical papers, they put me as a type one because I, everything I do is kind of like a type, you know, as a type one. The only difference is I take digestive enzymes. 
you know yeah you do more than a type one does and yeah. i'm kind of really interested in that part because yeah effectively when your pancreas is removed your pancreas isn't only producing insulin but it's doing okay. the enzymes as well mm -hmm. which makes yeah. digestion pretty much impossible without external help correct yeah and so what does that mean on a day-to-day -day basis for you so i take my crayon anytime i eat even if it's snacks um mm. there are some foods that i have found that i could you know could get away with where i don't take it but it's like veggies certain veggies at least you know um mm. when it comes to like anything i just i always have to take it and i have i'll be honest there have been times where i haven't taken my crayon but i'll be paying for it you know for a couple hours yeah. if not a couple days i'll get really sick like almost like food poisoning sickness um but it, it sucks, you know, and even when you do take your Creon, that doesn't always guarantee that it'll actually help. And maybe, like, there's certain amounts you need to take for different amounts of food and for different foods you eat, isn't it? Yes. So for food, I'll take three, sometimes four, depending on how, uh, I kind of base it off of how fat, how much fat content is in the, in the mm -hmm. food, you know, because it, it really helps with the fat and uh, reading to break it down. Um, I'm not gonna lie like at mm -hmm. one point I heard somewhere that uh, the digestive enzymes if you supplement them they actually help you reduce you know like that, that, that late late blood sugar spike from mm -hmm. fat and I tried it and it sort of helped but not yeah. quite to be honest with you yeah I haven't heard that actually um, so that I'm very curious you know to hear that you've heard that um, they I've always been told to take it prior, kind of like when you pre-bolus, you know, for your insulin. To take yeah, it so I did prior. take it prior. Yeah. Then, like, it was supposed to get rid of that spike in three hours, which hmm. it sort of reduced it, but it didn't completely get rid of it. Maybe I need to take more. I don't really know. I don't know. And then I read on the actual Creon website the other day, you're actually supposed to take that medication as soon as you take your first bite of food. So I don't know why i was told you know eat it prior um but now i'm reading that you I just take out the first you know bite of food i guess it doesn't really matter though yeah, that i've never really noticed a difference you know because if i'm gonna have a reaction it, it it's still gonna happen you know yeah so, maybe it's like the capsules get just like better move better through your digestive system if they go yeah. together and with food or something yeah but you know what is crazy about Creon that a lot of people that I just kind of noticed the last time I went to the pharmacy, it's more expensive than my insulin. Yeah, I know. I saw your post about yeah. it. And then I asked some other girls that have type 3C and they said the same thing. The only good thing is, is that on their website, and then I heard from other type 3Cs that they actually have coupon codes that you could use. For oh, so that's, that's a good nice. thing. Yeah, you know? that's a good thing. Um, we have coupon codes for insulin, you know. Right. <laughs> Which, um, fair, like, here in the UK, we're really lucky because we get it on the national health healthcare system. So, mm -hmm. effectively, like, all the taxpayers in this country are paying for us to get our medication for free. That is so nice. <laughs> Which is quite nice. But, yeah, yeah, when you're a taxpayer, it's not as nice. Yeah, exactly. I know it's such a huge um, debate here in the U.S. You yeah. know, I, it's going to be a constant fight. And 
I don't know what the outcome will be, honestly, you know. Um, I feel like it's a very big business industry there right now. And it's unlikely that a lot is going to change about that. Yeah, which is unfortunate. But you're right. It's, I don't know. But it that's just like in general how the U.S. operates. Like they're mm-hmm. very business oriented. Yes. Oriented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know what? I'm super curious um, uh-huh. because like we have three different enzymes, kind of three different types of enzymes that we need as protease amylase mm-hmm. and lipase, like, which mm-hmm. is for protein, carbs, mm-hmm. and fats, respectively, yes. um, and. The creon is just the combination of all of those three. And no matter what kind of foods you eat, you're still taking all of them. Yeah. But you don't effectively, like, if you say eat just like protein and carbs, you just don't take these two enzymes, which is kind of rare to be fair to find foods like that. Yeah. So I'm so sorry. What, uh, what was the question in regards to the, the that portion though? Well, like, I just wanted to ask, like, if there's... Oh, like if maybe there's a necessity or there's a way to just take the enzymes that you need at that specific meal or do you need all of them all the time do you know the science behind that or is it just I don't know the science behind that (laughs) that is a good question you know um the way the capsules look they're all kind of just you know all three of those properties are put into one you know um but yeah, I don't know. The yeah, questions I'm just guessing that like, it's mm. very hard to find a meal or a food that has just like, let's say just protein or mm-hmm. just carbs. So I guess you still need all of them, all the three of them, right. maybe just in different proportions. Yeah. But like I was mentioning earlier, there are some foods I've noticed that I can not take the, the enzymes and I'll be okay. So you know um, why? I wonder why. I don't know. It, like, I've noticed it when I eat bananas, um, grapes, um, certain uh, veggies like bell peppers, uh, celery, any of those things. I don't get any sort of weird reactions, but I think that's just my body because I was talking yeah. to another type 3C and she said bananas make her feel sick if she doesn't take it. Interesting because... I feel like some foods contain enzymes from what I know. I'm not a nutritionist yet, <laughs> but from what I know, some foods do contain enzymes. Uh-huh. Might be why you don't need your own to help with digestion. And that could make, I mean, that makes sense, you know. I am I not, like, like, don't take my word on this because yeah. I'm definitely not sure on it, but, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, there is logic to that, you know, because... I mean, I'm not interested either, you know, so I wouldn't know the science behind it, but I mean, it would make sense, you know, um, but I noticed when I eat like high fat foods, like, um, certain, like bacon, sausage, yeah. you know, all those, I'll get really sick to my stomach. And sometimes it is, I do too, you know, and yeah. I don't have my pancreas removed. Yeah. So maybe it's just, and I've talked to other people just, you know, other diabetics and they do say that you know certain foods also will get them feeling really sick you know um that's the foods I kind of tried taking digestive enzymes for but I just didn't find like any difference when I actually did and when I didn't yeah like just splitting my insulin was the best version to deal with them so Mm -hmm. do you actually still split your insulin for fatty meals like high fat I don't actually and I feel like I should 
start doing that. I just, they taught me at once the whole um, dual wave bolus on my Medtronic mm -hmm. pump, but I never felt comfortable using it because I wasn't really sure. So I've never done that. Which okay, because I just, I can't do it otherwise because I am hypoing so bad after like a certain, let's say I eat, like I love brunches. Yes, so when too. way before Corona, I used to go out for brunches quite a lot. Yes. Me too. <laughs> I had to do like, let's say 50% upfront. And then in two hours, mm -hmm. I would do the rest of the 50% because otherwise I'd have a hypo to like very low, which just did not come up. And then mm -hmm. in a couple hours, I'd spike like crazy and I couldn't bring it down. Oh, Yeah. I'm so, I'm so curious on how it works and when I would really need to use it. Um, it's so funny because I, yeah, because I had a conversation with another diabetic yesterday and sometimes I've heard comments, you know, where people are like, oh, it must be nice having, you know, you've had diabetes your whole life. You don't know anything else, but I still think it's very hard because I'm unlearning the old methods and I'm trying to learn the new methods, you know? definitely so, you you know like a rough guideline to when yeah. to use the the dual wave bolus is uh -huh. um when it's higher than around 30 grams of fat oh okay in a meal so that kind of usually works for me and for quite a lot of people to be fair yeah. so that's just like a rough estimation like things like pizza mm -hmm. brunches especially if you have hollandaise sauce on there Mm -hmm. um like I don't even know what else I don't know like maybe pasta bakes with cheese that kind of thing I wonder if other gravies too like things that have gravies on it but I can't think of other foods that would have a gravy on it besides like mashed potatoes you know yeah um, but I don't think gravy is like uh, to be fair I have never eaten gravy if I'm yeah. honest <laughs> yeah. um, just don't know why um mm -hmm. just haven't but I don't think it's that high in fat um yeah I mean you're right I don't think it's it's not like pizza you know but I know it depends on how you make the gravy people will use like the bacon fat or fats from whatever they're cooking you know yeah, sure. some people will do like a mix like a packet mix and it's just water um but I love brunch it's my favorite meal of the day and I used to brunch all the time before COVID so I um I you know whenever I can next time I, I feel like I should try it because I love biscuits and gravy and that would always mm. mess up my blood sugars as well as mess up my stomach too so that's what it was like a if I eat this I'm gonna be hurting later you know yeah um, which sucks you know um, um, does creon mess with insulin at all so does it affect how the insulin works see and that's a great question to ask because I kind of got into an argument with my, my endo nurse, because I asked her this a couple months ago, I, I said, hey, like, you know, because I don't have this pancreas, and I'm taking the enzymes, like, is it, you know, like, because in my head, I'm thinking maybe it's affecting the way it's digesting everything and how it's affecting my insulin, you know, like, and um, she said, uh, she didn't have an, an, like an answer for me, you know, and I was like, well, and I was like, well, this is not helpful, you know, because I feel like if I'm not digesting things correctly, you know, that would, I would assume affect the, how the insulin, you know? Yeah. Cause like, let's just imagine that you've forgotten to take your enzymes effectively. Yeah. Food is just not digested. And then yeah. 
your insulin's sitting there and you're probably hypoing and thinking, okay, why is this happening? And then you're like, ah, I did take my enzymes. So it's not being digested and the glucose is entering my, my blood basically. And the reason I brought it up to her was because I told her that I had pre-bolus only 10 minutes for a certain meal. I think it was a pretty high fat meal too. And I then started dropping and I told her, I was like, I get scared of pre-bolus, you know, because, and I, I, you know, with certain foods now, I definitely will pre-bolus, you know, but more so than not, I'm always dropping, you know, and it, I'll drop too when it's not a high fat meal. So I'm just, I asked her, I was like, can I just have some guidance, you know? And that's the thing that sucks is that a lot of doctors are not very familiar with diabetics, like my condition, you know? Yeah, but I'm not going to lie to you. Like most doctors are not familiar with the concept of pre-bolusing as a general. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. like, I have to, I have Dawn phenomenon and I I do pre-bolus like 30 minutes for my breakfast, regardless of what I eat. And all my doctors are like, you're insane. You shouldn't be doing this. This is dangerous. But the times that I didn't, I went up to 20 or 27. And uh-huh. like way before I knew about pre-bolusing, I used to go to 20 and 27 pretty much every day. Uh-huh. Like, okay, what am I doing wrong? This is really not good. And yeah. I went to my diabetic nurse and uh-huh. she was like, oh, well, you should change what you eat for breakfast. I'm like, really? Really? She said that? I'm going up to 20. No matter what I eat, I will go up. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you see, um, just question, because um, I don't know how it is over there, but when the doctors that you are seeing for your diabetes management, um, they are they endocrinologists or are they general doctors? So we, there's like a couple versions of people can we, that we can see. We can see okay. our general practitioner, uh-huh. um, which is just a general doctor. Correct. Um, but usually we also have a diabetic clinic and a okay. diabetic clinic consists of your clinician who is an endocrinologist okay um and then there is a diabetic nurse who is basically specializes in diabetes and should have proper education in that and a nutritionist and a psychologist i think oh cool yeah but like you don't necessarily see all three if you don't need them but you can so you usually just see your clinician oh okay and Which then some be... people only see their GP and just get their meds from there. Oh, but that's okay. like not the, the full care that you are supposed to be getting. Yeah. So I mostly just see my endocrinologist. I see my GP, you know, every year, just like kind of like a physical. Um, but it's, like it's not related to your... Um, yeah, not related to my diabetes at all. It would just be like normal. Um, so but my endocrinologist, I've always... I feel like I, they don't really understand why I even had my pancreas removed, you know? Um, and so I feel like when it comes to my care, they kind of, they don't really know how to guide me sometimes, you know? Um, you, um, you don't see like, cause it's a, the, the digestive system, isn't it? You yeah. don't see like a nutritionist or a dietitian as well. Um, I haven't, I've seen, so, and that's the thing I need to find now. Um, I started doing some coaching with, a, a nutritionist, um, but, and I'm just started that. So I'm really excited about that. But prior to that, I really wasn't because here, um, what I noticed. So when I was, um, 
under under 18, like pediatric, Mm -hmm. they had a full on, you know, diabetes care team, you would see a nutritionist, you would see a nurse, you would see your endo. Um, And then as soon as you age out, you go straight to the endocrinologist. And it's very different environment. I feel like there's not a lot of support there. Um, Kind of similar here. So like, I used to see like everyone and all of this, like all the team had to be in the room there or sort of they would be normally. Mm -hmm. But when you move to the like adult kind of clinics, then you only see your endocrinologist and you need to make Mm -hmm. separate appointments with the rest of the team. Yeah. And I see a gastroenterologist. Well, I did. Um, I haven't with my new insurance. I do need to set up an appointment, but my gastroenterologist has in the past, it's been kind of mixed too, because there was at one point, one gastroenterologist that told me, I don't need to take my crayon. And I was like, wait, that what? makes me so- Yes. Yes. And that like, was, even a- I know that you I know. need to take your crayon. Yes. And that was the worst experience of my life. It was a one time appointment. I was like, I need to switch now because, um, what happened was I was, um, with when I was on my parents insurance, I was also in college. So I wasn't in the Sacramento area. So I'd only kind of come up when during the holidays, which kind of evened out because it was every, you know, every six months or every three months, you know. Um, But the one endocrinologist, I had a switch, or sorry, gastroenterologist, I had a switch. And he said, Oh, no, you can just control it by diet. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, so, but I was like, he's the doctor, I'm going to try his suggestion. And I was so quick to change because there was no way I was getting so sick without my crayon, you know? I could imagine. And, and your blood sugars were probably so out of whack as well. They were, um, yeah, they were a little reflecting now. They were a little funky, (laughs) you know? Um, but I was definitely just in pain and I felt so sick and I was scared to eat, you know, because I was like, well, now I have to figure out what I can really eat that's not going to hurt my stomach, you know? Um, and then my last gastro that I saw, he wanted to do further, like, kind of like a an endoscopy, I think. Not a full-on, um, where they kind of put you to sleep. I'm not a colonoscopy, but the other one where they stick the tube down, you know? Um, to kind of just see what's going on down there. But then I switched jobs and I switched insurances, so now with so me, go and see the same doctor I can't because I don't live down south in southern okay. California anymore but I'm with a new insurance so I do need to set up a new gastroenterologist because the kind of like how you said um my endocrinologist has just been writing my creon prescriptions mm-hmm. um so I would be curious to see what my a new gastro would say you know if they're do if they can do any sort of testing you know yeah um I've always, I used to always see one when I was a child, you know, but. You know, you said like you weren't taking Creon for a while. Um, Could you like go into what symptoms you experience when that happens? Yeah. um, I mean, it's really gross symptoms, (laughs) but you know, you get really bloated. Mm -hmm. um, You feel really gassy, you know, Um, your stomach can bloat um, and it gets really like rock hard type of bloating um like IBS symptoms yes very similar to IBS symptoms um and my bloating I would look almost pregnant you know um and then obviously when you use the bathroom it it wouldn't be a good bowel movement you know um 
So for so, anyone who doesn't know what IBS is, it's irritable bowel uh, syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, very similar to that, I would say. Um, and it was just, you just didn't look good either, you know? Um, you just looked sick. And uh, you felt sick as well. Yeah. And unfortunately, I never would call out of work, even though I would want to, because all I would want to do is just lay down, sleep, or use the restroom. It was just like a running back and forth. So it was just, it was painful. But at the time when he told me, I, cause it only lasted for about a month where I didn't take it, um, which was stupid on my part. I feel like, um, and I told my parents and they're like that, no, we need to find you a new gastroenterologist. Cause that we've never heard that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so luckily I did and they put me back on it and I, I talked to my endocrinologist and they were able to write me a prescription as well, but it just sucked, you know? Um, and when you do have these flare-ups, they last, you know, they could last from a couple hours to a couple days. So yeah. it's just painful sometimes, you know, but a it lot. It sounds really awful. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And like, sometimes you'll eat certain foods that have never caused you an issue. And then for some reason at that time, it does. So then it kind of makes you question, well, what did I eat a couple hours prior? Maybe it wasn't necessarily that item, but it was something you know, from my last meal, because I think kind of, kind of the reason why you want, why are you starting to work with a nutritionist right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because so just to figure out what could cause inflammation later on. Yeah. And just kind of get back on track with my blood sugars because, um, I just feel like food has become so negative to me, you know, and I, I don't, I want to enjoy food, you know, food is fun. And, but I kind of just, it hasn't become enjoyable to me, <laughs> you know, and I want to, yeah, if it becomes more stress than enjoyment, then yeah. yeah, I get what you mean. And it, the thing that sucks is that it, it's, um, it's been my whole life, you know, whereas other people that I'm meeting, you know, it, they're just becoming type three C's, you know, mm, but yeah. you know, I don't want to feel, I don't want to live the rest of my life feeling like I can't control what I, yeah, I, feeling out of control you know yeah definitely. Um, and I know that it does when I feel stressed out it's also affecting my blood sugars and then it's just a whole thing and it's probably affecting your affecting your digestive system more than yeah. anything else as well yes because I know stress will affect your digestive system too yeah, for sure. um, so it's I don't know I but I'm trying to keep positive about it and honestly I'm like I'm trying to find you the resource. You sound like a really positive person I must say yeah. like you're really yeah. upbeat and just really like yeah I'm gonna fix this stuff like I'm not yeah. gonna let it get in my way. Yeah so and thank you I really do appreciate it. it's just like and then knowing that my mom suffered from stomach cancer you know like that scares me too so it's like okay I'm gonna really try ever since she passed and her diagnosis I was like I need to really um, be an advocate for myself and really figure out what I need to do because I don't want to be in pain. And then, you know, I would love to get some sort of screening too for cancer stuff, you know, because you that in the U S there. Yeah, you can with certain ones. I don't know if I can get screened for stomach cancer, or if that's even a thing, but I know for, um, uh, breast cancer, they can do like the, the bra, uh, I don't know the testing for it to see if you I have that. Like breast cancer has been on the rise lately and everyone yes. everywhere is trying to screen for it and just like prevent it as much as possible yes. which is it's great really good. Yeah, yeah it's really good and 
I don't think there's a lot of people that are passing away from stomach cancer. I, um, I know pancreatic cancer, but not stomach. But so. you do have a pancreas. Hey, you don't yeah. have to worry about that one. <laughs> that's one. Um, one doctor did tell me that. She's like, well, at least you don't have to worry about that. I'm like, that's true. You know, but you got to see the positives in things. Hey? True. It's true. And I, I laughed about it. it. I mean, she had a good point, <laughs> but you know, now stomach, which is around, you know, with your digestion too. So I'm just like, oh, like, let's just, you know, take every day step by step, you know, and I, what I'm going to try to do is just be proactive, you know? Um, you know, like when you get ill, do mm-hmm. you, like, does that affect your creon somehow? Does that affect your digestive system? Because obviously you're getting other medication for your illness. And does that mess with all of the rest of the stuff you're taking? Not that I've noticed. Okay, um, that's good. Honest. That's yeah. really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, not that I've noticed. Um, so I hope it's not affecting it, you know. Um, but yeah, so like, I don't know, the holidays are, they're fun, you know, but they do stress me out when it comes to eating. Because I'm not only just worrying about, hey, like, how much am I going to give myself insulin wise for all this food, but I'm like, what's going to affect my stomach? And how much Creon should I, you know, so this past Thanksgiving, because um, in the US, we celebrate in November. I, um, I know in Canada, they have Thanksgiving too, and they do it in October, but, um, I didn't get sick this time around, which I'm really glad. That's Past a great win. Yes, that was an amazing win. And I didn't have high blush, too high of blood sugars, um, from after the food, you know, but I didn't get too sick. Whereas past Thanksgivings, it's just awful, you know, like, I'm like, oh, like, I don't know what to eat, you know? Because it's all the gravies. <laughs> I also noticed, like, mm-hmm. if you eat more kind of slowly and more mindfully, does that help with digestion? I haven't tried that quite yet. Um, but from all my reading that I've done, like, people always say that if you eat mindfully and slowly, it helps. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, when I notice when I eat mindfully and slowly, my spikes are so much less. And, yeah. like, the like then I don't hypo afterwards either and like the general carb absorption is just like so much better on my bloods now when they say eat mindfully because I've always been kind of confused is it kind of just seeing what you're really taking in or just adding like making sure your uh, plate is colorful is that what they're saying like eat mindfully is kind of like focusing on what exactly you're eating thinking about the flavors like kind of noticing where the foods come from and just like chewing really slowly and taking your time with it instead of sort of rushing and just shoving it all in Uh uh-huh so it doesn't kind of matter what you're eating but it's just like Mm -hmm. savoring the food basically Hmm. that's I should definitely try that you know I feel like when I do eat maybe it's just because I'm at work and I feel like I'm rushed almost you know yeah Um, which sucks. I don't want to feel rushed when I eat. I want to Would enjoy my you, meal. You're a, den- a dentist? Oh, no, no. I, I wish I was a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I work more with all the um, administrations. I am handling all the insurance ah, and okay, all the okay. treatment plan. Um, but I, only, I get an hour of lunch um, at my break, but I always kind of want to do other things while I'm at my lunch too. So mm-hmm. lately, my lunch has kind of consisted of just soups. Um, which I need to kind of change that up, but 
I was choosing to do soups because it was easy for me to calculate carb-wise, and I knew how it was going to affect my stomach, you know? Yeah. I guess, like, we just tend to go with what we're habitually used to and then what feels safe to us as well. And Mm -hmm. that's, like, not just as diabetics or as, like, people who have, like, issues with digestion or anything, Mm -hmm. but just, like, human nature is what we We are very much creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And um, I don't know about you, but I, because I, I follow you so consistently on Instagram, you know, but do you meal prep from what I remember? Or you know what? Do I you- don't meal prep. I kind of cook my veg ahead because I just know I am so lazy that I'm not mm-hmm. going to be bothered to do it every single meal. Mm-hmm. So I just need to have like something there that I can throw together really quickly and then also I know pretty much like I can weigh out this much carbs I can weigh out this much and then like let's say I can just mix a pasta bowl together really quickly yeah from kind of half prepped foods oh okay because I've heard of people also doing batch cooking where they'll cook that's kind of what I do yeah so I like basically batch cook my veg if I want like some potatoes I'll cook some and then just use them in a few meals and kind of just compose different meals from the ingredients I have do you find that easier and more, I guess, fun to eat? Because I know people always complain about meal prepping. It's the same thing. They get bored, you know. And then yeah, I used to meal prep and I find that really restrictive in terms of what I could eat because like mm-hmm. I've suffered in the, from an eating disorder in the past and I just mm-hmm. like I hate when I feel restricted in what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like having that flexibility is a bit nicer for my kind of soul and happiness. <laughs> Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, when you were going through the eating disorder, was it when you were diabetic already or prior? Oh, yeah. I've, I was diabetic. I was diagnosed when I was five. Oh, and wow. I developed an eating disorder when I moved to boarding school. I was like 13 or so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Was it due to the diabetes or just other factors? No, it was due to like loneliness and like just mental oh. kind of yeah. um, sadness, I guess. Yeah, I, the only I, the only reason I ask is because I know that a lot of diabetics have been um, talking about they've suffered eating disorders um, due to the diabetes. I know like um, diabulimia is really kind of like common, uh-huh. but um, it's basically when people don't inject insulin and think like because if you don't inject insulin, then you're not able to absorb glucose and not able to gain weight. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the the goal of eating disorders yeah Um, but I didn't know about that thankfully so I was just sort of like restricting what I'm eating and yeah I didn't know about diabulimia either as the name of it at least um when I went to diabetes camp as a child um there was kids that would talk about it but they didn't put a name to it so I didn't know it was a a name up until like a couple months ago actually I didn't know the the full-on name of it well, maybe for the better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, is there any other questions you would love to ask about it? Uh, about I was just going to say, like, is there any kind of nutritional adaptations that you need to make, except for taking Creon, obviously, but is there anything else that you do to help you? Yeah. Um, th- so yeah, actually, there is a lot. Um, I avoid red meat. Um, for some reason, when I eat red meat, that is a a big um 
it just caused me a lot of pain. I can't, definitely cannot digest red meat for some odd reason. Um, dairy. Too high protein or something? I would, yeah, I think so. Um, I'll eat chicken, but chicken, as I'm getting older, I've noticed is causing me pain as well. Um, I'll eat some um, seafood. Um, I definitely avoid dairy at all costs, but I think that's a lot of people too. Um, so I mushrooms. Oh, I love mushrooms. Yes. They go in well. Yeah, they go well. Yeah. Um, do a lot of people not digest mushrooms? Um, well, I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people do, but like, I know my dad just, he just can't eat them. Like maybe just, he doesn't have the right enzymes for them. Cause yeah. obviously like everyone has their different variabilities and what enzymes they have and what enzymes yeah. they could use but yeah. yeah that's that's interesting because a lot of people I've met either they do like them or they don't but if they don't like them it's not that the taste is they kind of what you just said they can't digest it either yeah. um, I definitely can't do dairy um, so I will drink almond milk or okay. flaxseed milk um, you guys I have flaxseed milk Yes, and it is so you good. Are lush. <laughs> Do you not have it over there? No, we have soy, oats, rice, coconut, cashew, almond, like whatever, but flaxseed. Um, I only find flaxseed milk at certain food locations. Mm. It's not. It's not every grocery store. Um, soy milk makes me feel really sick for some odd reason. Um, oh, that's my favorite milk. Yeah, no, and it's, it used to not. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, it did. Um, I, I cannot do regular dairy milk at all. <laughs> like, that's just a no-go. I can, but I just don't like the taste of dairy anymore. Like, I used to eat so much of it, and now I just, like, I don't like how it tastes. Hmm. That's so strange. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I love the taste, but it just does not, it's just, I can't do it. <laughs> um, cheese, certain cheeses I can do. Um but besides that, let me think, um, uh, just any high fat meal too. I just, I just try to avoid it. It's just like, I oh, love, yes, like you sometimes do have them, don't you? Just yeah. because they're enjoyable. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll still, it's a more occasion. Like I had pizza the other night. Um, and for some reason that pizza did not make me feel sick at all, but prior to that, it definitely did. So I wonder, um, if it was cooked a little differently. Um, this one, this pizza that I bought um, didn't seem as greasy mm. as a pizza. And I know I'm gonna sound really weird when I say this, and I hope that other people do it too, but <laughs> <laughs> when I eat pizza, regardless, I take like a napkin and I dab it. Like I dab away the grease. <laughs> hey, my friend, I am on that one with you. Okay, okay I good. definitely do that. <laughs> because if I don't do that, I'm like, oh, I feel weird, you know? I'm just kind of, I don't even feel weird, but I'm just like, I really don't want to spike after this. Let's just get rid of it. Yeah, okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> like, I know I always feel so weird, but like, I don't know. My mom does it as well. And I guess maybe she knew about the spikes before, like when I was small. And I guess that habit just kind of translated to me. Yeah. Which I'm really, um, so question just because you were very young too when you got diagnosed um did your mom do you have siblings by chance or are you an only no, child I'm a single child okay the only reason I ask is because um I have an older brother and I um and I had a younger brother and we um my mom was very adamant about us all kind of eating healthy 
you know, because mm-hmm. she didn't want to make me feel left out, you know? That's really um, good, though. I think that's really right. Yeah, yeah. so I was just curious, because um, I know that a lot of kids that were, you know, when I was younger, they would always eat the very sugary cereals, you know? And so my mom kind of never had that in the house, you know, or stuff like that. Because she know, didn't want to make me feel Even like before that. I was diagnosed, my oh. mom is just, like, generally really paid attention to my health, and she was, oh, like... Yeah, so I didn't, I don't remember feeling any different when I got diagnosed, but I was five. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't really remember, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just always curious about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You don't meet a lot of people that are diagnosed really young. So, yeah, we're coming to the end here. Is there anything else you want people to know about type 3C or living with it? Um. I just thought, you know, I love when people ask if they ever meet other type 3Cs. I just ask them, like, how, you know, how they feel, you know, because I feel that every type 3C has a very unique story on why they became one. Um, So it's just educational, you know, and spreading the awareness of type 3C because I know that um, it's just, it's different, you know, it's unique and everyone has their own story so it's always I know I love hearing other people's stories on how they became diabetic you know totally that's why I kind of love this community of the online community uh do you want to shout out your Instagram to wrap up oh yeah um you want to follow me on Instagram it's papayabetic um so I will spell it out for you because it's kind of a funny spelling (laughs) um p-a-p-a-y and then b-e-t-i-c Papayabetic. Cool. Well, Maya, thank you so much for coming on. And I was absolutely delighted to speak to you. So much I learned today about type 3C and just about like digestion and things. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me on here too, Daria. I really appreciate it. And I love following you on Instagram. You always post very yummy treats. (laughs) You're so sweet. Thank you. You're welcome. I hope you have a great day and a good night's sleep because it's eight o'clock here, right? Over there. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye. If you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please uh, follow, rate, and review the podcast in the podcast app that you listen to. It really helps spread the reach. Go give Maya a follow on Instagram. She is papayabetic, as she spelt out earlier. And give me a follow. I am t1leveldaria underscore daria on Instagram as well. Thank you for listening, and I will chat to you next week.